0: And so that's what I've been saying. I've had guys in my office all week talking about the European Super League, and the problem is, it just it disenfranchises local fans that have been the backbone of small European soccer teams for such a long time.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even like the the non small European soccer teams, which is really the ones that are doing all the the breaking away, the the uh, so called Super League. I mean, in one of these press releases, it's like they refer to those <laughs> those fans as legacy supporters. Which is just the most like market brain bullshit like way to say like people that walk down the street and go to games every day uh, that I could even possibly imagine. It's just a whole it's just a whole thing. I mean, you know, we're getting to the point now where everything's kind of settling down, and and uh, you know FIFA and the UEFA are, are really like, hey, we're gonna take a lot of your money because you were bad boys and girls, and you don't deserve your allowance this year. We're gonna take it from you. And well, that's that's just classic FIFA, isn't it? You know? It is classic FIFA and it you know, the whole situation really is just the worst guy you know makes a great point, just <laughs> written all over <laughs> it.
2: I'm sure this is a consequence of Brexit somehow.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, even even like recently the uh like the Champions League, which is the current sort of version of the Super League where teams from all across Europe compete against each other, mm-hmm. you know, their their championship is supposed to be in Istanbul coming up in a couple of weeks. Well the British government just put Turkey on its like red level travel list for COVID restrictions. So they are now having and both teams in the final are English teams. So they're having to think about moving it to somewhere else, even though they planned it in Istanbul, like decades ahead. of time. And so that's, that's what you call a snafu
0: plain and simple and, you know, just egg on their face all the way around. Absolutely. Oh, hi. I, uh, I, I didn't see you guys come in. Um, this is the daily brain bleed sort of in a way. <laughs> Uh, my name is Jeff. My name is Tucker. And today we are joined by special guest, local superstar, Turner Hawkins. Turner, how are you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. And so as you might have guessed by that riveting opening discussion, this is a film <laughs> discussion podcast. Um, these are the jokes. It's as good as it's going to get for you. <laughs> right. Um,
2: <laughs> and um, all of our religious listeners might have noticed that We actually did not put out an episode last week. This was the first time we neglected to do so, and I promise there was a very good reason. You'll notice that in the episode before the Oscars came out, we gave our predictions for who would win, and we assured everyone that there was no way Chadwick Boseman would not win the Oscar for Best Actor. Well, lo and behold, we were all quietly putting our money on Anthony Hopkins for The Father. And we were using the massive platform of our podcast to keep the numbers up on Bozeman so that when Hopkins won, which we of course knew would happen because we are pop culture experts, we would make it big and we would make a ton of money and no longer have to do this godforsaken podcast. We took that money. We went down Mexico way. We had our own happy little time down there doing things that... I'm really not at the liberty to discuss because, um, well, we ran afoul of the Sinaloa cartel, and long story short, we are no longer welcome in Mexico, and we have to do this podcast again.
0: And and they've been forced to talk about sports.
2: Yes, that's the worst of it, actually.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, we, we signed, like, you know, it's like a reverse NDA where you have to talk about something. Um, yeah, really unfortunate. Uh, so, as you know. As, as we do, usually we have people on who are either friends or, you know, pop culture knowledgeable. And this week we just decided to do a curveball and get somebody who was neither. Uh, <laughs> neither a friend <laughs> nor knowledgeable
1: of pop culture.
0: Um, that might be the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Yeah, no, it's a low bar. Um, so, I mean, we have a lot of things that we wanted to talk about. We're going to do a little bit of a dive into some film scores later today. But recently, I have unearthed something that I would call you know, somewhat of a religious text. And it, is, it was uh, actually brought to me by some of my students who know that I have a podcast and who aren't allowed to listen to it until they graduate. But they brought me this book published circa 2007, and it's titled Everything You Need to Know About Podcasting. And this book has aged about as well as our predictions for Chadwick Bozeman vis-a-vis the Oscars. But I thought it would be a fun little thought exercise for us to kind of see if we can, uh, you know, glean some nuggets of information out of... Uh...
2: Well, the first thing I would like to say on this front is that 2007 really was the golden age for this sort of how-to book. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember the X for Dummies series, yes. and everyone started to do their own rip-off, which every title slowly became more and more insulting to the reader until eventually you got, like, you know... Beef Farming for Complete Assholes Who Should Kill Themselves. And uh, this one, unfortunately, doesn't have a clever title like that. It's
0: just... What what was the title again? How to Do Everything with Podcasting.
2: So, already
1: right there, um, no points. No points for... Do you even know how to read? If you don't, it sucks to be you. If you do, then we'll tell you about bird watching.
0: (laughs) So... Uh, I mean, I think the most ambitious thing that we have here is uh, an attempt to define podcasting right off the bat, page Mm. four after the foreword, which I should add, who writes a foreword for a how-to book on podcasting? That's just a very, very weird flex in my opinion. But so podcasting defined, and it gets just as philosophical as you would imagine, at its core, a podcast is a sound or audio (laughs) file. And it's like, you're not wrong, but I don't feel like that's helpful advice. These are recordings of just about anything, music, talk, or any kind of sound that has been saved in a format that a computer or other digital media device, that's a dated phrase, Mm. can recognize and play. And so my thing is, okay, if your podcast is music, that is an album. You have created an album. You've not made a podcast. You've not made a podcast. You've been misinformed. A studio exec has
1: maliciously sold you the wrong products. Um, or underpaid you for your product? <laughs> yeah, because like, you know yeah, it's just a podcast. People are going to listen to this for free. I don't have to pay you anything.
0: You're not wrong. Um, Sorry, too close to the home. Well, I there. mean, as far I, as, I mean, as
2: far as, <laughs> as far as definitions go, to be fair, what did the podcasting game even look like in the year of our Lord two thousand seven? That's basically the Stone Age's as far as these things go. What, were there any big podcasts in the air? I think this was even before Joe
1: Rogan started doing his thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if um, I'm not mistaken, there is a, like a short history section in this. There text.
0: is. Mm. And uh, we will get there soon. I do remember from because I did do a cursory overview of this text the day that I got it. Um, it described a lot of podcasting as like this weird niche underground thing that you had to have a super specific URL for.
2: Mm. And
0: honestly, Early podcasting actually had a lot more in common with modern day Twitch streaming. Mm -hmm. Um, The podcasts would be done in real time, a la radio broadcast, and then you would have like an online chat room where people could react. And that just makes me want to see like poggers from the 2007 (laughs) HTML coded chat room of some godforsaken podcast that got linked on like slash B back in the day.
1: I do do love this particular section from chapter two entitled who is podcasting and why a question we are all still searching for the answer
0: to. (laughs) I mean, why are people podcasting is still something that we don't have an answer to. But who is podcasting is largely any man not of significant employment between 20 and 30. And And, reader, (laughs) you know, boy, did you get that right?
1: Um. (laughs) Boy, howdy. Uh, There's also a, a brief section called motivations for podcasting. That begins like this. For many people, the reason they broadcast is because they can. In less time than it takes to watch a primetime soap or listen to a comedy show on the radio, things everyone <laughs> still does, you can create your own piece for the new social media landscape and make it available to anyone. Via the internet Primetime soap had to be a dated reference Even in 2007 Truly Like,
2: what is this book even? It was, I mean, by
1: 2007 we were all watching like Big Bang Theory or whatever
2: uh, Yes, that was truly like a low point yeah. in American culture I Yeah, guess.
0: 2007 wasn't it oh. wasn't great actually mm-mm, mm-mm. Still no. wrapped up in, you know, like early to mid Arab Spring And just not having a great time Oh, we were, I think like we were way there,
1: right? That was like 2010,
0: wasn't it? Oh, was yeah. that? Yeah, might be No,
2: that was... Uh, Maybe not the height of the Iraq War, but it was certainly uh, it all, certainly still going strong. It
0: all runs together. It was American military action in the Middle East sometime was, after 2001. I was 12 at the time, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forgive me for my lapse in <laughs> foreign policy understanding. Sorry about that one, you guys. <laughs>
1: um, not a whole lot of... I, I was expecting a little bit more history here, but uh, they do go into some depth about, like, specific podcat... I guess what we would now call a podcatcher. Um, podcast Library is the... A recurring term here uh, One called Podcast Alley Founded by a pioneering early adopter Named Chris McIntyre A person I have never heard of I
0: straight up thought you were going to say Chris McElroy And the streams oh. were about to cross Oh I should have done that
1: I, As a loyal listener of the show I should have done that But That's what you call a callback Chris yes. we love you uh, Podcast Alley You can find them at PodcastAlley.com I sincerely doubt that at this point uh, <laughs> Wait, hang on. we're checking Yeah, it. no, we gotta look this up, though. <laughs>
2: they probably sold it to some, like, hentai oh my purveyor.
1: PodcastAlley.com,
0: uh, your source. Should I open an incognito tab to go to Podcast Alley? <laughs> did, the,
2: did the kid give you this in, like, good faith? Like, he was like, oh, yeah, you know... Oh, you're... sweet
0: Christ. Oh, my God, it's still active. <laughs> I feel like I've stumbled into an ancient Egyptian tomb.
1: This is crazy. It actually has stuff about, like, Stitcher and... Huh? That first one, the Blueberry uh, podcast directory is actually oh, the next this is, thing mentioned this here. is
0: uh, spyware. Um, oh, nope. Latest news from CES 2010, and this is on Featured 5 podcasts. So I believe we have, in fact, stumbled into the derelict. Um,
1: Depths of the internet. At least it's still up. That is pretty Look at impressive. this. Look at this podcast player. This is on an iPod Touch, Aww. like first gen. They don't make those anymore, do they? Oh, but
0: they do know about Barack Obama.
2: Well, okay. What,
0: well, twenty ten. You know that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Now yeah. the writers of this book would not have known about Barack Obama, and they certainly would not have uh, forecast that in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-one that Barack Obama would have signed a multi-million-dollar podcast deal to do a show with Bruce Springsteen for Spotify because they wouldn't know what Spotify is. I am
2: am so looking forward to not listening to
1: that. Oh, I I enjoy not listening to it pretty much every day of my life.
0: Honestly, like you could have told me all of those words and then said that you just made up all of the connections. Like you're just rolling dice. Like they got, uh, I need a celebrity Barack Obama to talk to. Uh, I need a musician, Uh, Bruce Springsteen. And like, I would have believed it. Those words don't mean anything in conjunction and I'm not convinced that it's reality.
1: Yeah, I'm waiting for the uh, the uh, audible.com exclusive Jimmy Carter and Jennifer Lopez a conversation. Okay. I would listen to that. I actually would I that I listen would to listen it. to. Yeah. No, that would be great. But once we get into like, I don't know, Reagan and Ringo, the nope. the Wonder Years. <laughs> I'd listen to that too, honestly. Honestly, dig up Reagan and have him talk
0: to the Wonder Years. I would <laughs> yeah. love to see it. Reagan cast- by Ringo Star.
2: Have the cast of The Wonder Years, like, perform a seance and summon the spirit of Ronald Reagan to, like, argue with Ringo Starr after...
1: Soundtracked by uh, pop punk slash emo outfit, The Wonder Years. Mm. Yeah, there you go. And uh, boy, howdy, do I feel
0: like old Ronnie would have, like, some stuff to say about things going on right now. Um, mostly just like, wow, we're still doing this, huh? Didn't think it would stick. Um, (laughs) So what's the book
1: say next The book next gets into What do you need To make a podcast Uh, Fire Lists all kinds of different microphones Um, Oh wait,
0: let me get some of that heat This is not going to mean anything to anyone But I want it
1: It it, it means nothing, specifically nothing to me Although I have heard the phrase condenser (laughs) microphone before That's great, we're doing good Uh, I've heard that word before Uh, Other microphone (laughs) types The electric capacitor Don't know what that is Interesting. A ribbon microphone. That one says it's mostly used in telephone handsets. Another very current piece of technology. That is not even... I, I mean, okay, okay, whatever. And then the, the third and final is laser microphones. New, uncommon, and uncommonly expensive. Hardy are Used mainly in espionage circles. So, if, and if, <laughs> if my CIA case manager is out there... If we want to Ocean's Eleven thoughts. this podcast... Yeah, I've got some opinions about which microphone you should be using.
2: And again, the obvious problem here is they're making things too complicated... You need fire, big rock, cave with nice acoustics, and then you're pretty much all the way what you need for making any sort of decent podcast.
1: It's true. Captive audience <laughs> of at least three people. Yes.
2: Every be- every podcast has like a setup similar to like the cave from said allegory, mm-hmm. you know? At least in my opinion.
0: Um they're giving me a lot of very technical detail about editing and sonic treatment so like you know using like plugins and stuff. And this was this would have been a bold task in 2007 given how like a lot of that stuff was not really readily accessible to home recording yeah. people. Um you know nowadays you know like your regular DAW like you know like Logic or GarageBand or whatever has a whole suite of plugins that you can use for whatever. But back in the day you were probably downloading some type of Windows bit torrent compressor that was coded in java by someone in their basement and
1: that's just you know that's not the best um that's another big thing from 2007 what java uh, well i was gonna say torrenting but yes also Base- Java. basements <laughs> basements <laughs> i would say basements are bigger now than they've ever been <laughs> it's, give, it's giving it's giving the advice on shout
0: outs you can break up long tracks of talking giving reasoners listeners a, this is hooked on phonics with jeff upshaw <laughs> Um, giving listeners a reason to perk up and pay attention. It usually <laughs> refers to some type of celebrity acknowledging the show. Hi, this is Mick Jagger, and you're listening to For Immediate Release. So it's telling me to just call my friend Mick Jagger and have him do
1: a plug. Hi, for- I'm Mick Jagger.
2: <laughs> well, see, the thing, we could just do a cameo for that, right? We find who, who the oh. biggest names on Cameo are, and you just pay them like, what, 10 bucks to say, listen to The Daily Brain Bleed. And that would be something.
0: I mean, maybe... Th- we might be honest. Hang on, did we just like actually get a useful piece of advice from this book? <laughs> well, um, that would require the book to know what cameo is. Also. I mean, we definitely took it and made gold they out of there, it. They did it on
2: accident, but nonetheless, it's there.
0: Had broken clock's right twice a day. That's true. So, I also just want to call attention to the fact that the MP3 player that's on the cover of this book looks like a Game Boy Advance.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just... Sometimes you look back at technology and you're just like, what were we doing? Yeah, I was cleaning up my, uh, I'm getting ready to move. And so I was cleaning up my desk and I found an iPod classic Woo! that I owned in about 2009. How many gigs on that bad boy? Had, it, was, it was 80 because I needed a lot of space, but I didn't have the money for all the space. Um, sure. And I, I haven't charged it yet to see what it is because I have to find a 30 pin to USB <laughs> cord. But uh, once, I, once I do, you can feel certain that off mic I will be reporting its contents. Mm. I'm sure there's some uh, real quote good close quote stuff there. (laughs) <laughs> There's probably some absolute
0: bangers on there. I mean, honestly, the music scene in 2007, not bad. Could have been way worse. Oh, it's
1: true. Like, I can guarantee that, like, the entirety of songs about Jane, like Maroon 5's oh. seminal premiere album debut, I should say.
0: Literally, I'm sorry, top five albums for me of all time. It's really oh. it's up oh, there. Oh, okay. Oh,
2: okay. Yes. You lost me there. I have five. You know, I mean, thoughts. it's a good album. Fine.
0: It is uh, a masterpiece. It, I think top, it's a great album. Top five of all time. Uh,. Well, I mean, okay, so hang on. So the other thing is when you say album of all time, you basically mean since 1940 <laughs> because well, there, no one was released. Like, I'm sorry. Beethoven didn't release albums. Yeah, but okay. people record Beethoven and then release it as an album. But, yeah. But still like you're, you're essentially speaking pop music produced in the last 80 yes, years or and so.
2: I could like think of normie examples that would be like uncontroversially considered to be better than, so. like, what about okay, hit us with the sauce. Okay. Okay. Pet Sounds,
0: uh, okay. Sgt. Peppers, Lonely, Boys. whatever. Um, Beatles? No. Try again. What? Pet Sounds uh, okay. rocks, though.
2: Pet Sounds does walk, Pet Sounds the is... The Wall.
1: Beach Boys.
0: The wall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wall. Um, I mean, if you're into that kind of thing... <laughs>
2: okay, yes, but okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, this is so obviously subjective. So, Tucker, yes. we're
1: really into Maroon 5. What's wrong with that? Yeah.
2: I didn't say it's wrong to be in Maroon 5, <laughs> but I mean, if you're going to go out and say Peppa Pig's uh, first <laughs> album... Is the best thing ever recorded. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you I think that's all.
1: academically defensible. Though. I do, I do like Peppa Pig's interpretations of Beethoven's third, though. So, okay. well, yeah, no, it really did some good things
0: with like some of the intermediary content. In yeah, the, it's really good. the uh, internal harmonies are pristine. Yeah, great horn players on that album, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tight. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, okay. Those so I mean, are, these are jokes for like five For like total there people. are seven people that are going to be like ha, ha 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 ha. Um I mean, honestly like okay. So now I'm self-conscious about some of my other like top 5 albums of oh, all, all time. I also really on. like uh on. For Emma Forever Ago by mm-hmm. Bon Iver. Oh, yeah, I think sure. that is very much up there for Great me. Album. Everything on that album is just solid gold. Um Here,
2: I will make myself vulnerable for you. And I'm going to pull up every song that I have ever liked on Spotify. Oh just, just, just scroll through it. This is content. Just scroll through it and tell me if you judge me or not.
0: This magic moment. Yeah. That's a great. song. um, let's see here. This is, a cl- and, and I've said this of you before because I had you make a playlist for my wedding reception. Mm-hmm. Your taste is very, very, uh, eclectic. Mm-hmm. Um, like dance yourself clean
1: by LCD sound I literally system. I yeah. listened to that it this week. Yeah. It rips, but like who thinks rip. about that stuff? Uh,
0: me,
2: because I want to listen to it sometimes. I have a
1: house rule where if I'm in a in a location in public, uh, past midnight and LCD sound system comes on, I have to go home. The other the- <laughs>
0: That's because, a good rule. Because no
1: one make love again, I cannot stress enough, if they're listening, uh, I love LCD sound system. However, no one makes good decisions after midnight while listening to LCD sound system. I think, yeah, don't, don't text her, King. I think don't the, text her. The
2: plus. more normy LCD sound system song I like is um, New, New York, I Love You, But You're Freaking Me Out, or mm-hmm. I, you're, you're Bringing Me Down, whatever.
0: Um, the girl from Ipanema, Stan Getz recording. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm I'm not going to lie. The Stan Getz recording is kind of the normie recording of girl from Ipanema, uh, but it's good. It's smooth, but it's good. It's, it is smooth. Uh, young and beautiful Lana Del Rey for the great Gatsby. Yeah, sure. Yes. Literally, okay, so I'm sorry. The Great Gatsby was an amazing film score. No,
2: no, no. no.
1: It was. No. Sorry, I, don't at me.
2: The movie's okay, but like, no. It's a good film no the score. the
1: movie's think, fine. I think but. it's way more frequent. We can actually, like, sort of pivot into film scores if we wanted to, but I think it's way more common for decent to bad movies to have decent or better film scores than vice versa.
0: Yeah, I definitely think nine, that there have been a lot of examples of, like, very, very well critically acclaimed
1: films that have just, like, absolute booty cheeks for a sound score. Um, I was kind of saying the opposite, where, like, there are, I think, I again, I have seen maybe a grand total of 23 movies in my life. Uh, that's a slight lowball. 23? Count them. Count them. I'll list them all for you now. No. Um, but Peppa Pig 1, Peppa Pig 2, <laughs> Shaun the Sheep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, but only that one. Um, really? Which, no, I haven't. I actually haven't seen any of the Lord and of the Thung's Rings movies. I thought you said Lord of the Rings, The Twin Towers,
0: <laughs> and I was about to lose my
1: mind.
0: Stay woke. Gimli did 9-11. All I'm said, have you ever seen Sauron and Al-Qaeda in the same room?
2: You, oh you know they had to the specifically, like, Make sure when they were doing the special effects for uh, Return of the King that when the Eye of Sauron fell that it did not evoke too closely uh, the Twin Towers falling down.
1: Did not evoke too closely a building falling down?
2: Well, I mean, you can do it. Well, you can't fly a plane into it,
1: that's for sure. The
2: the other end of the spectrum being that... James Cameron and Avatar very much did want the tree falling down, the magical tree to see, remind people of 9/11 to like Whoa. drive home to people that oh it's a bad thing that this this particular large structure is falling down whereas when you know Sauron's eye falls down in return
0: of the king it's not it's a good thing. Yes. Huh. Well, and doesn't that just speak about the duality of a war because realistically you can see, you know, the atrocities as being for a good cause or not based on your framing, right? It's really I mean, it's profound. really,
2: the whole series is really just a story of orc genocide, so I'm not sure that I can really, in good conscience, um, support this. But, um, no, uh, so, Howard Shore, though, I mean, if we're talking about scores, yeah. that's like, no, that is legitimately a yeah. top five, if we're, like, yeah. counting the one trilogy as essentially one cinematic project. Which I think is fair. Top, top I mean, five I mean i think, time.
0: Well, so, here's my only issue with that, I feel like it's lacking in and this is a very specific thing that I have because I really enjoy I am like a sucker for a quality light motive Mm. and so -hmm. for those of you who are like you know maybe not as musical people
1: without music degrees yeah sure
0: Uh, it basically is kind of like the theme for a character it's like a musical idea that represents a specific person or place in or
1: even a concept sometimes
0: yeah and so like I mean, it's got, it's got some good ones in there for sure. Like the, the, the sound of the Shire is Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's incredible. I arrange it often in my free time just because it's so pretty. And, uh, what, like the sound of the fellowship itself is really good, but I felt like, you know, the, there was a certain, I, I wanted more, uh, like you want a specific more specific like, character. Okay. You want light more leitmotifs.
1: Well. Yeah. I, oh, interesting. I will say that That's not a criticism I've ever heard of that particular score before. Well I w- it's
0: because they're all place oriented. They're not usually personified the, as much. Okay.
2: I think it was cheapened a lot when in when the Hobbit happened and that Was expanded from two films into a trilogy at like the last possible moment. So they had to start reusing a lot of the music. And so a lot of, again, those specific leitmotifs started to get repurposed for other characters and situations in Mm -hmm. a way that it kind of degraded. And this is, we were talking about this Turner before the pod about um, John Williams in the past few years, specifically with the Star Wars sequel trilogy, which have a bunch of different problems, Mm -hmm. which... We could you know, we can put that aside for a moment and talk about the fact that one of them is the score. A lot of it starts it's callbacks to other parts of the Star Wars saga that do not make sense. And musically, that is. Yeah. And I, I think in a lot of ways it cheapens the iconic nature of uh, various slight motifs and various you know specific tracks when you just start to drop them willy nilly. See
0: one specific usage of that that I was a really really big fan of though was um his continued treatment of Leia's theme mm-hmm. through uh, her eventual death. I mean, I spoilers. spoilers I God. guess. I it's guess one of the biggest
1: movies on the planet yeah. that everyone has seen and, and including me, believe
0: it or not. Yeah, crazy. So yeah, you know. Okay, so spoiler: she dies. But the treatment of the light motif there, motif, motive, whatever, is uh. You know, I thought it was like really well done, and it really like served to bring the emotional impact like full circle of like this is a character that you know and you recognize, mm-hmm. and it sounds like home, but it's melancholy in a way.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a that's a really clever. I just read a great book about this called uh, Wagnerism by Alex Ross. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's one of the music. Uh, uh, main music uh, writers at the New York times. And uh, he's a very smart guy. You should read that book. He's got another one also called the rest is noise, which is uh, just fantastic. But anyway, in this book, uh, he really traces sort of the, the lineage of, of not just how Wagner became Wagner. In case you're unfamiliar, that's Richard Wagner famous for very, very, very long operas and being, uh, and antisemitism, and but that's being, not important. Well, at the end of his life being extremely anti-Semitic, <laughs> and then uh, having an extremely complex legacy after that with, you know, People like Hitler, etc. But yes. the book goes into a lot of like really interesting things about how integral Wagner was to not just sort of the Nazis, but also like romantic capital R, romantic people all over the world. Anyway, so with Wagner's thing, one of his main sort of usages of leitmotifs, and he's one of the first people to really popularize these, is he will always circle back to it. So, mm-hmm. like, at the when things die, you hear their their sound, right? And so, and I think that in that's a, a very unique moment in the John Williams kind of version of this, where not a lot of people like actually die in Star Wars, and so I think that that's really interesting. That like for the very first time, at least in my sort of very limited understanding of the movies, uh, you know, a, a really, really, really important character actually dies, and he just nails it, and it's it's I think one of the prettiest things in combined audiovisual. I mean I, I could I, <laughs> I mean I, I could quibble the with German the, judge see I'm not <laughs> yeah, low I, over I, here. I
2: am not like um well versed enough in music to challenge you from like a musical standpoint. I mm-hmm. mean I think I'd challenge more the notion that um Leia's death is particularly unique because I think especially compared to a lot of media that's not necessarily specifically derived from a comic book, but forged in the same pulp of like early 20th century speculative fiction, which star Wars essentially is. It was at the time of the 1970s an updated kind of space opera. Um, Star Wars is surprisingly dark and surprisingly um, very um, eager to kill off main characters in order to heighten the tensions in a way that you don't see with say, comic book movies where you know death is very cheap in that sort of world and i i say i don't know i'm thinking comic books right now because when you say alex ross it's apparently a relevant person in the music uh critical scene but i think of the comic book artist alex ross who is known for being like you know The guy who always has to make everything hyper photorealistic in a way that's Hmm. beautiful but slightly off putting. Yeah. Love you, Alex Ross. Uh, Come on the pod, Alex Ross. Yeah. Both Alex
1: Rosses. went On the
2: pod. And Um, fight
1: for supremacy of the name. Yes. Uh, I I think that, uh, you know, maybe, again, as I'm very open about speaking about movies, is maybe not my forte. However, I will say that, you know, the notion of. Star Wars is a, a well first of all as an opera you know there's one sort of very important figure that made opera relevant again right. shortly before the 1900s of speculative fiction but also you know Wagner Wagner stories are extremely dark you know they deal with all kinds mm-hmm. of topics not just mm-hmm. of death but also of rebirth and all kinds of crazy esoteric uh, stuff from all over the world but you know at the end of it someone dies right. and you know in that regard that is a, it's a huge frankly uh, you know lightening of the yeah, the because form.
2: he specifically was dealing a lot with the um, the Nordic sagas, right? Like and that sort of and that. Well, I mean, I I think the the one big Wagner piece, if sure. anyone has yes. heard one, is. Right of the Valkyries, you know, so that's one big, um, element. And you talk about romanticism. This was the time, you know, the 1800s when you kind of had this Viking revival in Europe when the Vikings were kind of reinterpreted from being just ravaging barbarians to a slightly more noble, Mm -hmm. uh, figure, just not having anything to do with anything beyond the fact that romanticism kind of, you know, comes with this, um reinterpretation of the past uh, to cast it in a more noble light mm-hmm. so that, you know, it gives you kind of a guiding force going into the future. Yeah, you know? and
1: it also kind of brings with it a, a really um, sort of new or at least reborn interpretation of capital G, good, and capital E, evil, and their like eternal battle with each other. And that is the foundation of a lot of sort of not just movie franchises, but popular culture. It is
2: today. Uh, reject modernity, return to tradition. tradition. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: And I mean, so for, for my money's worth, uh, Wagner's, at least, you know, the, the stories that he chooses to tell through a lot of his operas are really good stories, but yeah, he gets in his own way because yeah. anyone who's a fan of music knows that Wagner is the slowest developing thing. It's like listening to Moss oh. grow. And in some ways, you know, I'm not knocking, you know, every single thing he ever wrote. Of but in course. general, you're going to sit and listen to The Ring Cycle? Right? I am not the right
1: person to ask that
0: question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you listen to Tristan and Isolde all the way through? I actually have listened to all the whole catalog. And uh, you could yeah. cut it in half and you wouldn't miss anything, in my I,
1: opinion. For most people, yes, that is true.
0: But anywho he, he talks about some really buck wild stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they go through, through all of it. And he goes so in on
1: like Lancelot and the green Knight, and like all kinds of like, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy stuff, yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, if you, if you do the cliff notes on Wagner, it's actually really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you listen to it and you're like oh okay I see. Well, the,
1: the cool thing is he includes a musical cliff notes in every single one so you could listen to like he writes an overture at the beginning it's very really common practice for the time he writes like a 10-15 minute overture that just is ba- it's literally just bangers only like it's all the themes <laughs> it's all the resolutions it's, now it's, that's what I call Wagner no, it's literally like it's literally like yeah now that like kids bop you know Tristan. <laughs> like we're yeah. only gonna play the hits sure. no words <laughs> um, so you literally could do that if you were so interested but I'm not here to proselytize about Wagner although maybe I am who's to Say,
0: uh, there are musicologists that would like to know your location, sir. <laughs> Look, um, musicologists freaking love Wagner. Uh, some of them do.
1: Well, everyone finds them at least interesting. I'll say it that. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There, there is a lot of uh, liberal third ring theory that's not so kind to wagner and revision but. yeah
1: one of the one of the i'm sorry I'll, I'll shut the hell up about this book if you want me to but one of the cool things about this <laughs> book is he he really goes in on like well there's there wagner was just enormously popular among not just like crazy anti Semites and racist you know like north quote northern heritage close quote people in like northern europe um but like there's a whole chapter in that book about uh w.e.b dubois Bois. And how he loved Wagner. And there's a whole chapter in that book about, like, Willa Cather and how she loved Wagner. And, like, there's a whole chapter in that book about Wagner and the LGBT communities of Europe and North America at the time. And, I mean, like, full, just chock full of people who, you know, in theory, Wagner absolutely would have hated. And in practice, like, just found themselves... Like completely enraptured by this music, kind of
2: like well, I mean to use a more kind of nerdy reference that we will, more you know, nerdy go, than Wagner. Well, yes, <laughs> slightly um, that we will go to um, you know time and time again on this pod, kind of like Lovecraft with his yeah. very complicated legacy of yes, mm-hmm. massive anti semite, massive racist, all that sort of thing. But there's so many people yeah. you know who aren't just the knuckle draggers who like Lovecraft, but there are a lot of you know. Uh, women and people of color and LGBT people yeah. who not only like it because, you know, he objectively wrote good stories for what they were, but the themes, you know, would in a way that would surprise him if he were still around mm-hmm. today would yeah. alienate the people. I mean, I mean, sorry, would would resonate with the people who felt alienated, right? Who felt mm-hmm. like they were made yeah, sure. the other, right? Because in the Lovecraft universe, essentially everyone's the other, right? right. Yeah. You know, uh, isolated from one another and everything. So, yeah.
1: A generally similar time frame as well. Yeah. Funny well,
0: there you have it. Uh them them and Granger all getting along well oh, in the grave. Boy.
1: Um Granger's just a buck wild dude for a whole lot yeah, of Yeah, no, reasons. he says
0: as much as I would love to just talk about the weird stuff that uh <laughs> Percy Granger was really into, uh who's just another composer for our lay listeners. Um we can go back to talking about sports if you really want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just see how many people's like um no not for me, thanks boxes we can pick. <laughs> In one episode. Um, I mean, my last thing, just because I want to feel like I've articulated my position well vis-a-vis Wagner. Um, I like his music, and I definitely think that some of the work that's ha- happening ethnomusicologically in terms of like decentering the canon from strictly Western European music, largely German based mm-hmm western european music i think is good work and i mm-hmm. think it's at least worth you know exploring you know like hey what the heck was going on in italy for all this time and you know like spanish music and so forth and so on it's yeah. it's, it's not all the german paramount of up to beethoven and then back down yeah. but um 100 that in the endeavor of that you can't just throw mud at people <laughs> like you know just be like oh we're not going to listen to any wagner because bad and it's like well It's a little more complicated than that. I can
1: literally talk about this by itself for an hour. So
0: yeah, for sure. So we, we will depart from, uh, from that. But, uh, one film score and we did it recently on a concert, um, that I'm a massive fan of is, uh, the score to how to train your dragon. Oh yeah. Um, I've had a couple of bangers off of that literally on playlists that I made for just normal, casual listening, uh, specifically, uh, test flight is probably my favorite off that, uh, yeah, off that score. And it's just,
1: what a banger. It really scratches that itch of like, like drummy sort of proto Celtic. Yes. But not like re- definitely written by a man in 2011 or whatever. Like, <laughs> like it, it, it really is one of the more impressive sort of, I guess not recreations, but like modern reinterpretations of that sort of like, because they never, they don't want you to know where it is. It's like a, it's a, a, a nameless place, not on earth. Cause there's, you know, dragons, but you know, I, I think it, it's really, really interesting. Um, the way that uh, that Powell was able to do that kind of thing, and he's uh, he's kind of underrated. I, there's well, at least one other thing that he's done that I'm like I was really really in on
0: uh, Kung Fu Panda. I believe was yes, him as well. Movie. He does the Bourne
1: movies as well.
0: Yeah, his the scoring for Kung Fu Panda is again that's another one of those where it's yes. like it gives you ancient China, yeah, without but, being
1: fucking racist.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. Looking at you, Mulan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it wasn't racist. She was just pro uh, Chinese government. Um, but yeah. No, so I mean, I I like a lot of a lot of his stuff as well. Yeah, um, we had some hot takes about uh, Hans Zimmer if we want to piss people off with those.
2: I well, you know, I mentioned them earlier, but now I'm given to believe that um, they are not quite as hot as I had thought they were.
0: <laughs> given that, oh no, it's very much a hot take, just not in this room. Well, yeah. I mean,
2: you know, Hans Zimmer <laughs> overrated, but now that I hear. You guys saying, oh, yeah, I agree with you. Part of me kind of sort of wants to play devil's advocate and say that though Hans Zimmer is, I think, truly overrated, Mm -hmm. that it's 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 more complicated than that. Because at the very least, what I will give him is he is consistently putting out the most interesting stuff in the blockbuster film world. That we've seen over the past fifteen years, and yeah. I will compare it specifically. Like, um, you can like or dislike the more recent DC movies. You can like or dislike. Well, most people like The Dark Knight, but I think,
1: for instance, <laughs> well, now that's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um,
2: but The Dark Knight and Man of Steel, being big budget superhero movies, have far better scores than the more universally liked uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has not really had any significant yeah, it's, it's failed to capture
0: uh, quite a bit on that front
2: um score the only score that I can remember like and I'm not talking about like you know they licensed music and brought it in but the only time I think the score really captured me in any way for any of these movies was um in dr Strange when a uh, Michael G- it's this guy. whose name I'm not going to know how to pronounce. It's spelled something like G-I-A-C-C-H-I-N-O. Yes, he did the score for um, Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. and he did do some interesting things, making it feel really psychedelic and groovy, to kind yeah. of like you know connect to the sense of this character having forbidden knowledge that he gained mm-hmm. in some sort of like Himalayan castle. So that was interesting, right? Yeah. Otherwise, oh, not um, a lot of significant stuff with um.
0: Black Panther with uh, Kendrick Lamar helping okay. with the scoring for that. Ludwig, really,
1: yeah. really good. Yeah, I think... Uh, uh, oh, hell. Oh, um, uh, Giacchino is one of my, like, actually all-time favorite composers, full stop. Um, he's He's got a really wide... Uh, array of 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 um, skills at his disposal. He he also did at least Incredibles two, if not both, which are incredible, <laughs> super brassy. <laughs> which are sorry. incredible. Are, which are really good. I really didn't mean to do that. Which are really really good and had this like very tight kind of big band sort of stabs and yeah falls kind, yeah, yeah, of, kind yeah. of feel. It's really sort of evocative of like what you think like a bam pow like sort of fifties comic book kind of feels like or sounds like if it had sounds. Um, but the, you know, I think with when it comes to Hans Zimmer in particular, I think that uh, it's interesting. He does good stuff, but it's almost like I feel about him how Jeff feels about Wagner, where the really, really cool stuff is, I mean, uh, uh, frankly, probably untouchable, at least in current sort of canon. But like. You know, I think about the big organ moments in, in something like Interstellar. I think about the big, like the bois sound, for lack of a better word. You know, I have a degree, but I don't know what that's called from inception. Um, you know, I think about those like the peaks are, I mean, elite, frankly, but everything else just kind of starts to sound the same. And, and it all sounds the same within the universe of what you're watching, which is important. But, you know, for someone like me who maybe is more interested in what's happening in my ears than my eyes, it does get a little bit samey just after a it's, while. It's a drone and yeah.
0: slow harmonic development. That's his whole yes. freaking game. Yeah. And, like, sometimes that works to great effect. Yes. But when you do it over and over
1: and over. It's almost it's like, like he only takes the movies that let him do that.
0: that. Yeah, no. He has one sound. And so he just takes gigs that suit that sound instead yeah. of, like, taking a lot of gigs and just mm-hmm. trying to make... Whatever the movie calls for. Kind of the Giugeno sort of thing I was talking about. Yeah, exactly.
2: Jeff, because you're at the computer, tell me again who did the score for Black Panther. I think it's Gornson.
1: Gornson. Isn't it Ludwig?
2: And who, I'm not it, sure about that. Let's find out. Who is it off the top of my
0: Ludwig Gornson. Yep.
2: And who was it who did Joker?
0: Oh god. Joker Ludwig
1: Gorenson notable for community as well.
0: Um, this isn't what I wanted. Joker movie score. it's just giving me Todd Phillips. I don't want You that can just take,
2: click on the Wikipedia article. Yeah, well, I didn't want to
0: open a whole Wikipedia article. Music uh. by Hilder I am not even going to try. See, this
2: is what I'm getting at. What I, I, saw, I saw Icelandic musician I saw composer. someone make this point and I found it to be interesting. It's been like um, something in the narrative recently talking about how we see more and more British actors and more broadly Commonwealth actors coming to the United States and um, having huge careers over here. Right. But someone made this point during the last Oscar telecast, which I found to be interesting when you start to see who's winning behind the scenes, people especially with music and sound editing and that sort of thing that's a niche in Hollywood in the entertainment industry generally that's more and more being taken by these Scandinavian folks mm-hmm. they're I mean mm-hmm. and Scandinavians in the music world generally but I think you know it's one of those trends that it's becoming harder and harder to ignore all these Scandinavians who are doing these scores and I've heard read some things about this in the past but me being a music guy I haven't quite known how to parse that Do you guys have any thoughts on this
1: topic I I frankly, First time hearing Evan. Uh. <laughs>
0: I mean, I've especially in like the percussion and in like mixed chamber ensemble world, yeah. I've been aware of lots of specifically Nordic women who are just cranking out music like it wow. is going out of style. That's and you know, that's great. Yeah. I it's you know, it's super cool. But it's definitely one of those where it's like, okay, give me a demographic of people who are going to be really into
1: composing for film. Uh, Nordic women, yes, good, okay. Yeah, I yeah, I can't say that I, I've I've even thought about this i'm fascinated to learn more at some point when i google it off off mic because also like there are a lot of
2: producers in the um just the music industry these guys who are um you know the uh it was a really shitty song by one of the jonas brothers um that went like something like cake by the ocean
0: is that a jonas brothers joint it i don't th- No, i mean one
2: of them like the nick jonas or something went off and he did the solo thing
0: yeah um. Nope,
1: that's nope. by dance Dance, I believe, is fronted yes. by one of the Jonas Brothers Yes,
2: that is, that's You're true You're
1: kidding, right? I'm, no, I'm not It actually says it right there It says Joe Jonas
0: Oh, God Okay that's um, that, the, that
1: track's a banger, by the way
0: The reason I wanted to bring it it's up It's really good I did a
1: marching band show
2: it of, Regardless of how you feel about it The reason I bring that up Was the song got the name Because Joe Jonas found it to be kind of humorous When one of his Scandinavian producers Was trying to think of the term Sex on the beach And he said <laughs> cake by the ocean <laughs> And just really good. decided to make that a song, but yeah, no, it's one of these trends that's been kind of picking up in the past few years, just in American media generally. And I've, you know, it, it's something I occasionally read about and see someone try to give an explanation. But you know, it's it's just a topic that I'd like to you know explore in more detail if I ever have the moment. To hey like- Tucker,
0: don't look at my computer monitor. Who is Gigi Hadid currently with in Hollywood? Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we've kind of taken a spin here, but. Uh-
2: I have to assume that this is relevant to what we've been talking about before. Well, so when you Google
0: cake by the ocean, you have related people, dance artist, Joe Jonas, composer, and then Gigi Hadid is the next thing that comes up. Oh, one Um, of them's
2: married to Priyanka Chopra, right? That's Nick Jonas. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yes.
0: I Joe Jonas is married to Sophie Turner.
1: Yeah. What?
0: Yeah. No, that's a crazy one, right? That is crazy.
1: Let's let's remember some guys, (laughs) y'all. Yo, you ever think about, uh... (laughs) Y'all ever remember some capital G guys? So, uh, Tucker,
0: I'm still waiting anxiously on who Gigi Hadid is with. It's not Joe Jonas,
1: turns out.
2: It's the dude from One Direction.
0: Which dude from One Direction? Zane. You looked at my screen, didn't you? No, I didn't. You son of a bitch. Swear to God.
2: (laughs) Swear to God. I just thought, like, okay, musically. There's no no, way. No, no, I just thought, like, (laughs) musically, who's doing kind of the same stuff, like, now that the Jonas Brothers were, and I thought, One Direction, and then I thought, who can I think of who's in One Direction right now, and Zane was Uh, the first.
0: Nope. It's, uh, it's, so One Direction has been disbanded and Zayn was the first one to leave it's true so yeah. you were right all the way up until the end okay. but yeah so why it why was Zayn know it, but like it most
1: was, yeah. like 95 like
0: yeah Gigi yeah. Hadid is currently married to Zayn Malik Malik, Malik. Zayn Malik yeah I think so. since 2015 if you can believe that Zayn Mal- hey good for them yeah. additionally um Gigi Hadid was born in 1995. I have done nothing since being created. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, holy we're making crap.
1: this podcast, so... Yeah, yeah, Checkmate. So, Gigi,
0: you want to... Uh, Gigi, Gigi, Gigi Hadid come on the pod. You want to come on the pod? Uh, let me know. Zane. I have a very small home studio in Podunk, Tennessee. Zayn Malik, also coming uh, on the pod. Zayn Malik, Jeff, uh, welcome on the trying pod. trying
2: to break up this marriage on this pod. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to whine and dine Zayn Malik <laughs> when he comes here. down. I'm going to be like... So how does she like really treat you? Does she see you as the king you are? And <laughs> you dropped this king. <laughs> pick your crown up. Don't text her back. It's okay. That's right. No LCD sound Stop system. Stop listening to you. that LCD sound <laughs> system.
1: Yeah. I'm um, like so. the Jonas Brothers who are back together. Oh. Not to do anything. No, but really? they, they, there's a single. They're at least a single from last summer, I thought.
0: Yeah. The, it, it Sucker. And it was not great. Um there's a, there's a, as much as Doesn't I despise it, Rick Beato in general, um, he has a video on it that's
1: mildly insightful. So what a man got to do, is that not them? Well, good I get, God. I could hum it for you, but I don't the want to get your Bing podcast being The Bing search BNC. engine goeth again. <laughs> um, what's it called? What a man, man got to do. That's 2020. Wow. wow. Look at you go. That one made it in my uh, song a day 2020 playlist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a yeah. banger. Eclectic playlist, by the way. A lot of stuff in there. Um, but not a real doom metal kick recently. <laughs> that's, that's not a joke, actually. It's, it's real.
2: because you listened to our review of Sound of Metal, and we're like, you know what? I'm going to check out bands that are like this IRL. That's true. Yeah, so you know. we started
0: listening to really bad noise rock, and you know, just What's really scratch the itch. You know what?
2: As long as we're on that topic, I do have to issue a partial correction. This isn't something where I was wrong in point of fact, but I feel like now that I've learned this, I should add this more nuance. Paul Racy, you know the guy who ran the deaf community in that film. He himself is not deaf, but both of his parents are deaf, and he is in a band that
0: does music for deaf people. Whoa, that is a career that I didn't know you That's could have. Fascinating.
2: Well, I mean, they do do concerts at a, like you know Doo-doo. school Shut students. up. They do have concerts at but schools for the you deaf. You almost said
1: students. it again. <laughs>
2: I said do have. <laughs> so you were no, you going two times no, with doo-doo. No. no. Um, oh, man.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's good to know. Um, Turner, I'm glad we're holding you hostage while we retcon, uh previous things that hey, we've
1: said on mic. You know, as it is funny, like for all my, again, not jokes about not watching very many movies, I do listen to the podcast uh, most weeks. I won't say oh, I do it every week, but uh, it's always interesting to listen to you all talk about movies that I have not seen <laughs> um, but hey that's a that's the highest endorsement I can offer I frankly. do and I am mildly
2: curious someone coming in from an outside perspective mm-hmm. like who probably doesn't know about the movies at least through pop culture osmosis well, before we talk about them do we, like do, do, do we could do a good job putting aside how you know we feel about the movies of basically explaining what the film is about like you see what I mean like yeah, yeah, in yeah. a review you know that you would read Ideally, they would give you mm-hmm. like a sense of okay, here's what the Some stories about. And yeah, now I'm, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm a, I'm the kind of guy who, as as someone who realized very early on in my pop cultural uh, career, I guess um, that I was not necessarily cut out to sit in one place and watch one story for ninety to 120 minutes or more. Um, Fair. You know, I, I just started this, it especially started for me this trend of Googling or Wikipedia reading. Plot synopses Mm. because I hate not understanding references, Mm -hmm. but I don't enjoy watching movies. And it started because I don't I definitely don't like scary movies. Mm -hmm. And so I just like, oh, well, people talk about The Ring. (laughs) I'm never going to watch it but I still want to know what it's about so I can understand and like participate when they're well, so there's this so, ring. <laughs> yeah, you're never going to believe it. You're never going to believe it.
2: It's funny. You should mention horror films. Cause one way I was going to try to steer the conversation, given that we were talking about film scores at some point was, and there was a version of this kind of conversation. I would have like wanted to do differently, but Jeff is worried about us getting DMC aid. I, um, but concerns. Uh, no, I was curious like to play several different tracks from various films and be like okay which of these creepy scores would you prefer to start like a child sacrificing cult to um
1: because five beats to start a child sacrificing (laughs) cult
2: to well because you know you have hereditary right Mm. which a lot of people good uh, god so good midsummer midsummer and um the thing about midsummer that i think has attracted a lot of people is that that really is one of the films that um in a lot of ways transcends being a straight horror movie into mm-hmm. like actual capital A art and i think it's helped in fact in part by the fact that the score is sublime the score adds it like an almost spiritual weight like you can see why the people in this film um, have their own mm. little weird compound, yeah. and they,
0: the and the cinematography is just mm. chef's kiss, beautiful. The entire stinking way through. God, I love Midsummer. It watches like an art film, really does. Yes, it's a I very watched Scandinavian it. Scandinavian sort of setup and, as well. And, <laughs> well, yes. it's another one of those one of those Nordic joints.
2: Um, and the I mean my people. And not like you know one of those boring kind of art films that just exists to exist, but like actual art. Yeah. You
0: know? I mean, I definitely think at least the first forty-five minutes are a little bit of a slow burn if you're not like looking for the ominous. But you know, that's uh, that's largely subject to just what type of movie watcher you are. Is Midsummer just white people get out? Well,
1: not having again. I mean, not, seen not entirely. I, to, <laughs> you, that's
2: like I mean, I, I would say that's reductive, but only in the sense that like. Every horror movie is on some level like Get Out because yeah. Get Out is a horror movie, and you know, sure, uh, sure, sure,
1: yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, your
0: plot diversity is very wide ranging in outcome sometimes, but not so much in source material. Yeah, um, I, I mean, are. yeah, I, I also think that especially with a film like Midsummer, it's. It's one of those where, you know, for you, a person who likes to read synopses, you miss the forest for the trees oh, yeah, because... Sure. Oh, I,
1: I have no doubt. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because, like, the, the point of the film isn't really what it's about. It's how yeah. you get there. That's like watching Titanic for the plot. <laughs> like, <laughs> guess what? Ship goal sink. Sorry for the spoilers. But, like, that's... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like...
1: <laughs> Titanic so. is interesting, too, because, like, I think there's a whole nother... Like, we could talk about scores, and I think that when I'm when I say mm-hmm. scores, I usually am intending to mean, like, the sort of... Instrumental or like classical, quote unquote classical, like musical aspects of a movie or a film or whatever.
0: Please talk about the Celine Dion joint.
1: I (laughs) please talk about the Celine Dion joint. I'm winding up for it. That "My Heart Will Go On" is one of the best ten songs in the English language. Yes, it's so good. It's so good. Celine Dion, what a voice. Um, Celine Dion, um, "All by Myself" is an absolute heater. Uh, Adam, (laughs) Adam. Adam Neely uh, on YouTube, who I, <laughs> I in general, I, like very much. I haven't heard Heater for a song
0: title, and it's very good. But, um,
1: but yeah, Woo. but Celine, Celine Dion is, is one of the best. I mean, she's just got one of the best, like, tal- most talented voices in, in all of, you know, humankind. You,
2: you know when she went all out and did not need to go all out, but thank God that she did. No joke. When she did a song for Deadpool too.
1: Oh, interesting. Call yeah, 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 yeah. I know the I, track you're talking
2: I, about. I almost kind of want to ask Jeff to like pause this so we can give like <laughs> okay. play play a short little bit of it and then come back and be like,
1: "Yeah, no, good, she, good grief." She goes hard. That I Adam mean, Neely video about um, "All by Myself." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh my god.
2: And it was a really popular in pop culture for a moment. This after Titanic became ubiquitous. Yeah. to like start to shit <gasps> on Celine Dion and yeah, I think you know I, I I get why people are sometimes reactionary with that sort of thing, but I think. That was one of the weaker targets Absolutely. because she's actually pretty good, she's guys.
1: She's a complete mon- like She's a monster. I mean, she's like kind of the first, maybe not the first, but maybe like the, the sort of most recent before a couple of more, more, even more recent still examples of someone that I think of as like, you know, vocal performer as an athlete, you know, mm. kind of like in a way that, you know, maybe right now is like pink is very much that like if you have ever seen like video or even stills from like one of pink's two or three most recent tours that lady pipes she's got she's got pipes she's also basically an olympic gymnast while she's doing it and kind of that that sort of to me is is very much in the Celine Dion tradition where she's just a technically super rock solid like you know really understands her physiology and the way that her muscles work I mean just a complete athlete with her with her voice and it I mean I love I could I again much like Wagner could talk about Celine Dion for about half an hour. also
0: the key change and my heart will go on is literally just one of the bare ball slappingest <laughs> key changes that's ever been done just like <laughs> instant yes. sobbing tears from me yeah just yeah on the spot yeah 10 a.m., I'm ready. Yeah. Like it's same
1: <laughs> same exact thing with uh, all by myself. It I mean demolishes me. Like you think you're having a good, like, solid sort of day with the serotonin, and then man, you're just out here thinking about all kinds of stuff. I'm gonna play Ashes
2: for you after we're done with yeah. <laughs> You're uh-huh. about
1: you're about to text her back. You're
0: all by <laughs> myself, and you're like, I you know, I should just see how she's doing. I'm it. definitely like, not gonna text her back. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. But um anywho. This has been a very long-running conversation about lots of very specific things. And if you've made it to this point, you probably gained like half an IQ point. um, (laughs) Um, I do. Or lost half of one. I
2: started to ask this question earlier, but I really do have to know the answer to this. Going all the way back to this book you got about how to be a not bad podcaster did did the kid give you this to you in like good faith like (laughs) they seriously thought oh yeah you gained something for it was or is it just like a lark on their part with oh yeah you know i found this this whole book you might
1: find some enjoyment i know you podcast you nerd
0: yeah so it's it's much more so in the second vein the that group of kids that i teach they're all like super meme lords just just memeing it up all day, every day. Like I walk in the school building and I just hear Among Us shit posting. Basically, <laughs> no. um, audio. Yeah, it's just it's it's very strange. So no, they gave this to me and they knew like here's content for you because it will be really really bad. Um, there are several podcast hosting websites in the back and like an index, mm. and none of them exist anymore. <laughs> like well. not a single, So podcast hosting services: Hipcast, Libsyn.
1: Are we not on Hipcast? I was under the impression this was going up on Hipcast.
0: Sorry. Oh. Do you need to call your sponsors? I, um, I
1: actually got to talk to my counsel. Yeah. Uh, Podlot, <laughs> Switch Pod.
0: Why is this fun? These aren't. They don't. They're
2: not inherently
1: funny. Why are they funny you names? You could make up in any of those combinations of like the like the phrase Pod plus something vaguely like media related. Surprise! No one's done like pod. here at here at Pod Farm. <laughs> Pod
2: Well, you know, that's what I mean, I'm surprised. Pod racing. I'm surprised that no one's done some variation of like pod people because, like, for the longest time, that was the big pop culture reference. Really? Pod, well, yeah, the pod people from Invasions of the oh, Body Snatchers. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, pod people. <gasps> you should i i want like a a a version of it where it's like you know bod body spray like (laughs) i like your bod like Like, i like your pod i think (laughs) it's cool how you talk about cold brew coffee and ipas like that kind of thing yeah absolutely
2: girl look at my podcast girl look at that podcast
0: (laughs) i don't work out (laughs) I podcast i talk shit
1: (laughs) i vamp a lot
0: yeah that's uh that's, that's, that's what we do. Turn nothing into kind of also nothing.
1: But just.
2: Legend says that one day in our darkest hour, LMFAO will return to drop another awful album.
1: To evict the party rockers from this house. Yes.
0: Sorry for party rocking, I guess. God, I miss
1: LMFAO. What, God, a, I miss LMFAO. nobody
0: ever. I miss time. them. Okay. You know what? You know what? Okay. So I fired up my good
1: sucker. I, I told him I thought that was one of the best albums of all time.
0: <laughs> well,
1: because I'm not going to take you seriously. So like, um, not at all.
0: I mean, honest to God, honest to God, I there is something in my inner academic that completely and 100% respects music whose sole point is just shake your butt. Yeah. <laughs> And just, like, feel the vibe. I respect that so much because it's so pure of intent. Literally, I think all of the, like, older people who would talk about, like, absolute music, you know, like, if you didn't have vocals and it was just, I literally make this track so that people can, like, swing Bung that. So people can, sw- <laughs> people can swing that meat and slam that ham. Like, you know, I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I vibe really hard with that as a mission statement. That's fine. Slam
1: that ham. <laughs> Sorry,
0: credit uh credit one of shout my coworkers out, shout on that out one. That's a Josh, yeah. <laughs> that that was not a Josh joint. That was a that was a Lindsay joint. Oh, was it wasn't? Mm-hmm. Oh dang. Anywho, this yeah, I I think we should stop.
1: I think we should stop doing this here. Uh. So anyway, they're going to impose 5% fees on all the uh, anything and everything that they went that the Super League teams win in in uh, in Europe this year. Um the jokes on them though because they picked so many quote-unquote elite teams that half of them uh that is a total sum of zero because they're not good enough <laughs> man
0: that uh those those they're soccer athletes that sports? football yeah get a touchdown that's right up the reds i'm jeff i'm tucker i'm, I'm turner is yeah. that not how this works wow. usually our actually i'm not gonna lie usually our guests don't continue the pattern but i'm glad that you picked up on it uh have a good week i guess